Today's show is brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip on Instagram. Book your own trip with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there, do that, get rewarded. Today's show is also brought to you by Grip6 Belts. Ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it is a great Father's Day gift. Grip6 has a special offer for you at Grip6.com lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. 114-110, Curry lets it fly. Canada, the NBA title is yours. The Toronto Raptors are the 2019 NBA champions. It happened. Hello and welcome to episode number 534 of Locked On Raptors, the first episode of the podcast in the post-Toronto Raptors championship era. I am your host, Sean Woodley. Thank you so much for being here uh, and joining me on the mic. I could not think of a better person, considering all of the work he has done to help me make this podcast into something better and smarter over the last couple years. It's Vivek Jacob. Dude! They did it. <laughs> they did it, man. They did it at Oracle Arena. They finished the year 4-0. 5-0. Oh, wait. It was 4-0. Never mind. I got excited. <laughs> <laughs> uh, carry I on. Mean, yeah, just, just uh, unbelievable. I mean, the poise that they've shown over the course of the postseason, learning from every moment, you know, after Game 5, as disappointing as that final three-minute stretch was, you know, I, I kept saying that maybe that was just another one last moment that they needed to learn from. And then for them to put it away the way they did in the fourth, Fred Van Fleet, my God. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that was insane. The, the stones on that dude... On so many of those shots, I'm not even mad at the autoplay ad right now. Normally, I'd be mad at ESPN for their autoplay ads. I'm not even mad at that one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the stones on Fred Van Vliet, man. Like, it was almost like he was trolling the Warriors by the end. and was just like, yeah, let's see if this one will go in. And then they would go in. And I'm so happy for him. I'm so happy for Kyle Lowry, man. Like... What a game from him. 26 points, 21 in the first half. What was it, 15 in the first quarter? <laughs> like, Yeah, oh. that's at the tone, man. Yeah. That's at the tone. Pascal Siakam hit threes. He was 3 of 6 from the field. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, man. Uh, so we'll get into all of the game today on the show, obviously. A quick reminder, please make sure you're subscribing, rating, reviewing. iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Himalaya as well. That's the place to go if you're in the market for a new podcast app is Himalaya. Check it out. Uh, You can personally curate your own podcast playlist. You can get suggestions for new podcasts to listen to based on your interests. And it's absolutely free at the App Store. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Let's let's throw it to you, man. What was your biggest takeaway of the Raptors' finals clinching win i am just in a haze right now it's my voice you can probably i've slept like two and a half hours because i was just too jacked up what, what was like your, your i mean what would you come away it, thinking of most full, full disclosure i'm also like sneaking in breakfast mid podcast <laughs> that's so. cool man <laughs> <laughs> a little short on sleep um 
High on energy, though. This is uh, just so unbelievable. Yeah, big, biggest takeaway, man. Kyle Lowry. Um, just so, so happy for him. Mm-hmm. The the way he came out. You know, you, you think about all the stuff people say about playoff Lowry and the way he played uh, in that Milwaukee series, the way he played in this series, and to do this in a clinching game on the road. But, I mean, he's talked about how he kind of prefers playing on the road and yeah the way he came out uh scoring all those points and then also helping Steph Curry to not even get a shot off in the first nine minutes mm-hmm. um I thought that was phenomenal just set the tone early on and all of a sudden when you have to pay that much more attention to Kyle um because he's being aggressive it just opens the floor up for everyone else and then you see he hits Siakam for the corner three then you know hits Siakam for an alley-oop and that that that, that's what gets him going and when Siakam's playing well all of a sudden you know they're firing on all cylinders yeah uh, I thought what happened in this game was it was sort of like Kawhi was pretty quiet just 22 points 7 to 16 never really got it going but I did kind of find that this game was the culmination of all of like the terror Kawhi Leonard wrought upon not just the Warriors but the entire league in the postseason because much like the Raptors sold out to stop Steph Curry at every cost, the Warriors were sending two guys Kawhi's way nonstop. They were harassing him at the top of every pick and roll, doing the thing they've done all series long. And it was just not a game where Kawhi ever really got the space to get going. Andre Iguodala, I mean, that dude... What a game from him, and his defense on Kawhi I thought was fantastic, the best it's been in the series. But this was about the other guys sort of using the gravity of Kawhi as like an individual talent to just kind of like make the thing happen. And like Kyle sort of doing his little jitterbug thing and the pick and roll stuff that he ran, like he was so dynamic just like every single time he had a chance to drive on one of the Warriors' bigs, he would do it and just completely discombobulate the Warriors' defense in the process. The, the kickouts, I mean, Pascal Siakam hanging out in the corner, like, hitting those threes, he was wide open because of, A, like, he hadn't been hitting threes the entire postseason, but also because Kawhi demanded so much attention, right? And, and like, Draymond yeah. was so absorbed in trying to stop Kawhi, so you just get Pascal Siakam constantly open. You have dudes constantly in the dunker spot. Serge Ibaka just always there to, to throw down a dunk, and... I just, like, this was the culmination of everything Kawhi did over the course of the postseason led to these guys all having the space to sort of win this game. And and, and I'm just, it, it was a remarkable run from Kawhi, kind of an understated note to go out on, but, like, I don't think he'd have it any other way, to be honest. And I don't know, did you agree with the decision for Kawhi to be MVP? I think it was kind of a no-brainer. There was one vote from Hubie Brown for Fred Van Vliet. I, uh, so, uh, people should know, uh, myself and Alex Wong, we wrote a book that you should order right now, We the Champs, go to my yep. pinned tweet and click on the link and order the book, We the Champs, the historic run to the Raptors 2018-19 title, or something along those lines, I should know the title, but, um, <laughs> but so last night, we had some, like, final things to get in for the book, and one of them was, like, a blurb on the Finals MVP. And full disclosure, I had, like, pre-written a Kawhi Leonard Finals MVP thing where I was just going to plug in his late last-minute stats and stuff like that. And that was going to be it. And I was really worried at the end, like, uh-oh. <laughs> Is Fred Van Vliet going to get this thing? Is he going to get MVP? <laughs> and I was really freaking out for a second, but he didn't end up getting it. Kawhi got it. Did you agree with the decision based on sort of everything we've talked about with Kawhi? 
Yeah, definitely. I agreed with it. And for me, it was so the way you, you described the way the team uh, took advantage of all the opportunities that Kawhi afforded them uh, with those double teams and traps. And um, It's sort of a beautiful culmination of where they were at the beginning of the season and where they've come now in terms of their chemistry. And you think about where the team was when they had the Kawhi Leonard offense versus the flow that they had as the Raptors offense when Kawhi wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in in this game, you saw how accustomed they've now become to operating off Kawhi's gravity. And so every time he moved the ball, whether there was a shot to be taken, whether there was someone to initiate another, uh, you know, another action, they were all prepared for it. And I think that's a big part of Kyle's game as well. You know, on a, recognizing, you know, we, we, we saw him have those huge games when uh, Kawhi wasn't in the lineup uh, and then sort of be a bit more passive when Kawhi was in there uh, during the regular season. And so for him to have a game like this with Kawhi on the court, he's done that a few times over the course of the postseason. So I think it all, it, this is a team that just peaked at the right time mm-hmm. um, and figured it all out and got better as the postseason went along. Um, and yeah, so at the end of the day, it all starts uh, with Kawhi. He deserves to be the finals MVP. He's the one that helped the Raptors get to this point. Um, sure, maybe he wasn't the one to hit the shots to get the Raptors over the line, you know, with those three Fred threes and even the three foul shots uh, that he got fouled on. Uh, Siakam having that move on Draymond uh, oh. for the final field goal the Raptors hit. Um, and then, of course, it was nice to hit for Kawhi to hit the technical and the two free throws uh, to cap it off. So, yeah, I have no issues with Kawhi winning uh, finals MVP. No, I think it's very well deserved. He is the dynasty killer, finals MVP to stop two potential three-peats now. Uh, let's uh, take a second to pour one out for the Warriors because, man, I never felt safe with the Warriors. Like, Steph Curry is so good. Iguodala, Draymond, like... I felt so crummy after Clay went out, and I, I was really worried that it was going to kind of have the same vibe as the the Game 5, where, where KD goes down, and it was just kind of a bummer from there on out. I think maybe the fact that Clay came out and hit those free throws, which is such a fucking badass move, um, before going back and obviously missing the rest of the game, like I think maybe that sort of brought the the tenor of the game back up a little bit from being so depressing, maybe. I don't know. That's kind of how I anecdotally felt. And then the fact that it was such a close game late and, like, Boogie Cousins was playing so well and Iguodala was hitting every damn shot and the Warriors were not going anywhere. It did. Like, I think I kind of... It felt earned in a way that I did, wasn't sure it was going to feel when Clay went down and it, fe- it felt almost like the Raptors were going to win by default just because the Warriors had no more guys left. But, like, the Warriors, man, like... What a team. They are incredible. Steph is terrifying. Draymond's unbelievable. I feel really, really, really bad for Klay Thompson because he was unfreaking believable before he went down. Just, uh, like, the Raptors earned every little bit of this, man. I know they came across a team that was depleted, and maybe some people will use that as a way to deride the sort of the nah, sanctity man, of the title. No, we're not we're not going to do that because it's dumb and the Raptors had a more than difficult enough road to prove that they were worthy of this title, obviously. Yeah. Um yeah. I, some people but the, the, we'll, we'll, never, we'll not mention them because they're idiots, but like 
you can only play who's there, and I thought the Raptors did a really good job of managing this Warriors team as they were constructed, and I just they were so clearly the better team. I, obviously, with KD, it, the, the the calculation becomes different, but guess what? That doesn't matter. Like you can't pick who's in front of you, and the Raptors did it. But like the Warriors, man, they were unbelievable. They're they're, they're terrifying. Yeah, absolutely. And one point in the fourth quarter, um, I tweeted that you're basically watching Steady Freddy versus Freddy Krueger. Because um, <laughs> the Warriors just refused to die. Um, we saw we saw that in Game 5 that the Raptors were going to have to earn it. And again, over and over, when you felt like the Raptors were making that push, the Warriors just kept clawing back, um, just wouldn't let uh, the Raptors get away. And then again, the way Clay was playing, typical Game 6 Clay. Uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, it, it would have been a whole lot uh, more difficult if, if he could have played that fourth quarter, uh, and it's a shame that he was out. But again, you know, with the Raptors, when you look at a big picture, fortune favors the Brave, and of course that is extremely unfortunate misfortune for the Warriors. Um, but the Raptors, you know, they've put themselves in this position by making that trade for Kawhi. Um and taking that risk, making that trade for Marc Gasol at the de- deadline, um, giving Pascal Siakam all that run to develop in the way that he has. And so, you know, w- when you put yourself in a position like they did to get to the NBA Finals, um, then anything can happen. Mm-hmm. And so it just so happened that these injuries uh, befell the Warriors and the Raptors still needed to take advantage. We learned that in Game 5. Yeah. Um, and... Fortunately, they were able to do so and get it done. Yeah, it was so uh, a really well-constructed team, man. And, like, I know Gasol didn't have himself a particularly good game. Uh, his 5 Danny Green, zero points on uh, zero shot attempts, which is super bizarre. Was a plus seven, though. Um, I, like, even I, though they didn't have amazing they, they games. They lost after that Danny turnover. Yeah, oh, my God. <laughs> that, that, was, that, was <laughs> that felt very raptors Uh Yeah. I still would have felt pretty good about going back home for a game seven, especially now we know that Clay is what what happened to Clay. But um, right, yeah, would have preferred no, that, not that, that, that happening. A lot worse. Yeah, that else, would have felt a lot less earned. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I also uh, maybe needed to not have any more money spent at bars. Uh, <laughs> right. Enough fried food for Sean, I think, for at least a little while. Uh, what am I saying? I love fried food, uh, but. Like, even though Gasol and Green didn't have particularly good games and Norm was scoreless as well in his 11 minutes, like, every single one of them had a moment during the playoffs, which is, I guess, sort of the story of any title winner, right? Like, you have Gasol going off in games three and four against the Bucks in particular, game one against the Warriors where he's fantastic. You have Danny Green, like, just being dead for most of the playoffs until... You get to the finals, and it's like, oh, yeah, okay, here's Danny Green, and he's on, on fire for the first four games. Um, obviously, Kyle had many, many moments in these po- in this postseason. Siakam had his many moments, too. Like, it, it just, everyone had a moment. And I I feel really bad for OG Ananobi for never getting to have one of those moments because had he been healthy, he obviously would have been part of the rotation and part of the team. But um, it just, I think, speaks to how well-constructed it is that every single one of these guys, Norm against the Bucks, like, doing his thing and then just kind of fading into the background again is just, like, the Bucks yep. killer and nothing else. Like, I don't know. I, I guess this is just sort of the tale of every single champion, right? Like, y- y- everyone has to have a moment. Otherwise, you're, you're just not going to be able to string together enough wins to get it done. The, Patrick McCaw, the one, the one time he was willing to shoot the three in game one, he made it. So, <laughs> uh, every, every, everyone 
had a chance to get involved. Um, and like you said, that's that's kind of the general makeup of a championship team. You expect contributions all around as you go around. Um, and obviously you need your main horses to do their thing. And uh, Kawhi did that uh, in parts. There was Kyle Lowry doing it in parts. There was Pascal Siakam doing it in parts. And um, again, you know, huge shout out to Nick Nurse, man. He's been, yeah. he's been unbelievable um, throughout this run. Uh, and, you know, every time uh, reporters have asked questions about the calm and poise of this team to guys like Kyle and whoever, you know, they, the reporters themselves bring up, you know, well, how has Kawhi impacted that? How has Danny Green impacted that? How has Marcus Gasol impacted that? But all of these guys, every time they answer, they make sure to mention Nick Nurse. And he's been a huge part, I think, in having that calming effect, not overreacting to losses, not overreacting to wins. Uh, and, you know, again, you talk about big picture, what they learned over the course of this postseason. Three rounds, they faced a series deficit in each round. They yeah. didn't face a series deficit in the NBA Finals yeah. um, against the Warriors. Who, you know, <laughs> if, there was, if there was a team that you were going to bet on them face having to deal with a deficit and really deal with some adversity, it would have been them. Um, so, yeah, just uh, incredible job all around from everyone. Yeah, man. Uh, it's so weird to think back to the first game of the playoffs where DJ Augustine hits that three, and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> Is it happening Amazing. again? Amazing. What? I know. And that was so long ago, too. That was like two full months ago. And, like, so many inflection points in the postseason where, like, it could have totally gone off the rails. Like, even as, like, and I, I still think they would have beat the Magic in six or whatever, but, like, game three, when that game is close against the Magic and, and Kyle Lowry comes out of nowhere to get that offensive rebound and they end up sealing that game and then just, like, closing out the series very easily from there. Then you have, obviously, game four against the Sixers is sort of the first, like, serious tension point after they get blown the hell out in game three. And then Kawhi hits yeah. that three. I think Zach Lowe actually wrote about this yesterday. I haven't read it yet because there's too much stuff to read. But um, <laughs> like Kawhi hits that three over Joel Embiid. They they win that game. They come back for game five. They win that. And then they have to go to game seven. We all know what happened in game seven. It's still probably the craziest thing to me is the game three against the Bucks. Like how the hell did they win that game with Kyle fouled out for 16 minutes? Like that stretch, that's yeah. 16 minutes and 12 seconds of Kyle free basketball where Marcus Saul's on five fouls for like 15 minutes of it, that's got to go in some sort of like wing of the Hall of Fame. <laughs> like, the fact that the Raptors pulled that win out of their ass, yeah. if they lose that game, they're pretty much toast. And instead oh. they go 8-2 and two to close out the playoffs against the Bucks and Warriors after that. Like, I don't know, man. Is there anything that like stands out to you, like individual things you're gonna remember about this postseason, individual performances, like singular games, shots, anything like that? Yeah, I mean, if I if I go back to that game four against Philly, um, the the Kawhi shot over Embiid, I mean, that was that was an incredible shot. I think that that was like the first big, you know, sort of MJ moment that it felt like mm. you know he could just do anything. Um, and then, obviously, you can't forget about the bounce shot uh, to win Game 7. Um, individual performance-wise, I mean, both Fred and Kyle are right there with this Game 6 performance. Um, but, you know, if we go back to that Game 4, I thought Serge Ibaka was phenomenal in that game. Um, and 
he's he's had stretches where he's honestly been imperative to the team's success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you you think about the way Marcos all bounced back after the O two deficit. Uh, again, you know, Nick Nurse showing patience with, with Gasol, uh, the same way he showed patience with Fred VanVleet, the way he, the same way he showed patience with uh, Danny Green. Um, maybe it wasn't rewarded as much as he should have been for uh, Danny, but the other two really paid off. And so, yeah, I, I think those again, you you look at those brief stretches where you just needed something. Um, I think that's one thing I will probably give the biggest shout out to is you know all when, when early on in the playoffs. When you were looking at the struggles of uh, Fred VanVleet and Norman Powell and Serge Ibaka playing together, yeah, and uh, Nick Nurse sticking with that, and then finally figuring it out and giving them another unit that he can kind of uh, know that they at least won't let go of the rope, kind of thing. Um, I think that 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 maybe was uh, a low key huge moment um, in terms of the Raptors sort of finding their best selves. Yeah, I mean, those little stretches, man. Like, you mentioned Serge. Like, he had so many. And they were so... Like, it seemed like for a time the Raptors had four dudes who were playable. Like, it was like Siakam, Kawhi, Lowry, and like, sometimes Gasol. And Green was doing nothing, and the bench was doing nothing, and there were times where Nick Nurse could have changed things up and changed the starting five... He, you know, dabbled in Jody Meeks and Patrick McCaw minutes and stuff like that. But, like, I, I think you're totally right in crediting Nurse a lot here. We've credited Nurse quite a bit on this podcast, but, like, pressed all the right buttons, man. And he... The job that he had was at, time, at once, like, super easy and also impossibly hard. Like... He gets granted Kawhi Leonard a month after he gets hired. And that's like, oh my god, look at what this... I have Kawhi Leonard on my team now. This is unbelievable. And then he had to sort of take every... All a bit of all the noise around it and be like, okay. Uh, gotta manage Kawhi's load and minutes and all this stuff and make sure he's healthy. Gotta make sure he's happy. And we're, as we're trying to make a long-term pitch to this guy, we're also trying to win this year. Got to, uh, oh, here's Pascal Siakam all of a sudden, very good. I guess OG's on the bench now. That platoon idea we had to start the season is, is done pretty quickly. Um, like we got to manage the, the center thing. Like Serge and, and Jonas are obviously both very much best at playing center, and playing the two of them together is probably not ideal, especially now that Pascal's done this. And so all of the different pieces, while very, very nice pieces, were tricky to put together and manage. And... For a first-year guy who I think kind of got a lot of crap during the regular season, probably hypocritically because it's a lot of people who were like mad about Dwayne Casey being too staunch in his rotations and his patterns and everything, getting really upset about Nick Nurse trying weird stuff. Um, but like he got a lot of crap in the regular season, and I'm just I'm glad that it's kind of been vindicated, and all of his experimentation has proven to be very much worth the time and maybe the couple extra losses here and there. Like it's just. I mean, I, what a team. <laughs> like, everything about it, man. It's it's unbelievable. Masai Ujiri's punching cops? I Hell mean, yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that cop needs to uh, go away and uh, maybe, like, study up on who's at the game and, like, who are the people involved. In, like, how do you not know who Masai Ujiri is when he's walking onto the court to celebrate the title? I don't understand. That's ridiculous. Yeah, that, you know, I, I feel like that's a weird kind of thing yeah with security yeah because <laughs> like I, I i also remember um 
it might have been the U.S. Open or Wimbledon. I I can't remember which tournament it was, but Roger Federer was trying to get back into the men's locker room, and the guy would not let him go because Roger Federer didn't have his pass on him. <laughs> um, and so Federer just politely sort of waited, and his coach was coming in soon, and then they were able to go in. Um, and so I don't know. I feel like that should be a security thing to know who are the people you clearly don't need to worry about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, I do, yeah, I don't want to comment much on that situation. Yeah. But yeah, again, you know, Masai making that promise of, you know, uh, we will win in Toronto and then they did win in Toronto. I mean, they didn't necessarily win in Toronto, but you know <laughs> what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the belief that he's maintained when, frankly, this was a city that really found it very difficult to yeah. believe. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's really carried this franchise forward. And no matter what's happened, you look at all the playoff failures over the past five years, he has kept maintaining that goal of a championship. He's kept fighting for that. Um, and it's almost like he, he, it's almost like he believes in his destiny so much that nothing can get in the way of that right not even all those raptors moments and you know very happy for him that uh he's been able to deliver on his promise it's like crazy if you like look back at all like it's like a tv show that foreshadows to a conclusion you know all the times where he was like someone's gonna get it but and like we're gonna ha- we're gonna get it done here and all the times yeah like the believe in yourself, believe in your city speech at the start of the season, like that really sort of, I think, set sort of the mindset of the entire fan base, if that makes sense. Like that sounds like sort of hyperbolic, but I think his words resonate so deeply with people and he's just like such an easy guy to like get riled up by that I think him having that speech to start the season just sort of like yeah, like you said, he set the tone for everything and, and just was like, yeah, no, no, this is what it's about now. It's not about worrying about the past or getting caught up in the guys who left. Like, this is about the guy who's here now and the like the the, the, the six months that lay before us and, like, believe in it. And he was right. <laughs> He's a goddamn genius. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about the wizard stuff today because that's for a, a less joyous occasion. Um, but, like... Honestly, I don't even care. Like, if Kawhi, if Masai wants to go and, and work for some other team, he's done everything he had to do here. And he's set this thing up to be successful for a very, very long time. He has built this into something that's not a joke anymore. And, like, it feels like it's self-sustaining now in a way that mm-hmm. it never was before, which is, I think, probably, the like, the most ultimate success. Obviously, winning the title is the ultimate success, but to turn a moribund franchise that was just a disaster into something that probably can subsist regardless of who is at the top like that is so impressive and speaks to how just sort of like galvanizing Messiah is as a dude and how smart he is and how goddamn good at his job he is like the stones to pull the Kawhi trade still I know there wasn't that much risk really but like there was some and if it doesn't work out and, and Kawhi doesn't play to this level and things go poorly. Like there was a there was a scenario that I know we talked about at the start of the season that, you know, things go off the rails, it doesn't work, Kawhi's not healthy, and they trade him at the deadline to salvage assets. Like that was a thing that we talked about. 
in hindsight, that sounds absurd and ridiculous, but that was definitely one of the outcomes that was on the table. And, like, Masai was just like, no, man. Like, we, we are done with being fine. Like, we're done with being okay. And I would hope that, like, other GMs around the league will take heed of what what Masai's done here because having some stones can get you a whole lot, like pretty far in a league where most people don't have them. You know what I mean? Like, Danny Ainge. How much do you think Danny Ainge is mad at himself for not trading for Kawhi? Like, it, it's... It's all amazing. I'm so happy, dude. I mean, it's okay. I'm, I'm, sure, he's, I'm sure he's happy he still has Terry Rozier. Hey, his son, yeah. I mean, you don't want to trade your children, so I do understand that. Uh, <laughs> where were you, by the way, last night? Like, we haven't really talked about our experience watching the game. Like, where were you? What did you do? I was at the uh, Yahoo office okay. um, working with the rest of the uh, Toronto crew uh, and watching the game on uh, the TV that we had there. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll watch the game. And, again, because I was uh, doing the game story at the buzzer and writing through, it, it didn't have much time to actually really enjoy the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, I feel like it won't really hit me till I see my brother and my friends who I've watched all these games with all the all the crappy teams with yeah you know I, I haven't seen them for a while so looking forward to seeing them again yeah I was uh, lucky enough to not being credentialed for the finals it allowed me to sort of just like be a really really lunatic fan for a couple weeks and uh, I went to the same bar the last three games with the same group of people and I just i mean to be able to watch it with like my cousin who grew up with me that we played basketball together in school and we you know he's like my best friend and to be able to just like, sit next to him as that all went down it was really really emotional and then i just like i bought, popped open the bottle of bambino on bluer street and poured it down his throat <laughs> and we were high-fiving cars it was like a high five line all the way down bluer it was uh it was something else, man. I So, yeah, we did that. I had to go back to Hamilton to finish working on the book. So my girlfriend drove, and we got back at about probably 2 o'clock. And I uh, ordered Uber Eats, and the Uber Eats driver came, and he was wearing a Raptors T-shirt. And uh, we hugged it out in my driveway, like a deep, deep hug between two strangers, just and just repeated, we did it, we did it, we did it. And it was uh, it was really special, man. And just, like, the, the strangers that you just hug and high-five and, like, share that moment. And you, you'll never you'll never see them again. But you have that. And, yeah. man, I, I just – I never, ever want the feeling to go away. I don't, I don't think it's going to for a long time. This summer is going to be awesome. Uh, very excited. I just spent an exorbitant num- amount of money at the NBA store and a bunch of stuff. <laughs> I now own a Kyle Lowry, Larry O'Brien bobblehead. <laughs> So that's fun. Um, what what what's your plan for the parade? Are you going to be working? I have no idea. I have no idea what the plan is for the parade. Um, if I'm not working, I will be there. But yeah, uh, I, I don't know what the situation is. Um, I don't know if that's something you write off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we'll see. Right now, just you know, I'm trying to get out as much content as we can. Did yeah. uh, the gamer last night. I have a Kyle Lowry story that should be out. Um, and then uh, I'll have a Nick Nurse call him out. And then uh, I have 
have kind of um, a personal piece that should be out tomorrow on yeah. just my experience as a Raptors fan inspired by you and Blake and Corrine and Sierra and all you guys sharing your wonderful personal stories. So, um, yeah, I'll have that out tomorrow as well. The best kind of content is the personal stuff. <laughs> it's the best. Uh, man. <laughs> I uh, read all of Vivek's stuff. It's the best. I'm so happy you've been a part of this podcast, man. I can't thank you enough for the intelligence you've brought to the thing and the, the help you've brought to me breaking things down. Um, it's been a real treat to have you, man, and I hope that's not going to end anytime soon. I... Uh, I love Thank you, you buddy. For me, love like, you, buddy. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Sean. Um, no, honestly, thanks for having me all, all this time, man. I, I mean, I know I sucked when I first joined. Um, I'd never done a podcast before, and uh, you stuck with me and gave me a lot of time to improve. And um, so, I appreciate you for that. Um, that's part of why, even when I joined Yahoo, I was adamant about keeping this going. Um, so yeah, looking forward to keeping this going as champions, and then hopefully maybe next year back to back champions. Yeah, I mean the summer is going to be quite interesting, and we will get to all of those questions at another time. Now is for celebration and joy. Uh, I will be at the parade because I don't work on Monday because freelance life allows me to make my own days off. And guess what? <laughs> I'm not working parade day, baby. Um, so I'll be downtown. People, I want to meet people. If you're a fan of the podcast and you're going to be downtown, shoot me a DM. We'll figure something out. Maybe we meet up after the parade for drinks or something. Uh, I have It's a clean slate for me that day, so I am uh, ready to do whatever. And I uh, maybe I'll try to record some sort of just like uproarious like fan-sourced podcast or something like that, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> my, phone <batteries, laughs> my phone battery is very bad. I'm going to have to get, like, an actual, like, audio recorder if I'm going to do that. But um, we'll make something work. And uh, thank you to everyone who's listened to the podcast. It's been 534 episodes coming. And this has been the best thing that I've done professionally. It's been the most rewarding. It's gotten me sort of the most reach. And uh, without this podcast, I don't have a book to promote and shit like that. So... Thank you to everyone who's listened for even one episode, even one iota of an episode. You are all the very, very best, and this is going to be fun. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to have podcasts all summer long. We're going to – we got to go through our over-unders, buddy. <laughs> we got yep. to get Sahal back on the podcast, and we got to go through our over-unders. We have the pre the, the off-season to tee up. The Raptors don't have to worry about the draft, which is fantastic because I don't care about the draft at all, and I don't have to pretend like I do this year. Woohoo! Uh, and yeah, so just enjoy it, everybody. Make all the irresponsible purchases you want. You can only do it once, um, and honestly, the stuff is selling out very quickly anyway. So get it done now. Uh, that's going to do it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thanks to Hotels.com and Grip Six for sponsoring the podcast. Thanks to David Locke. For putting together the Lockdown Podcast Network and making this podcast possible. He is the best. Uh, thank you to Katie Heindel and Joe Wolfond and Kelsey O'Brien and Blake Murphy and Eric Kareen and Bruce Arthur and God, I'm missing all the other people. There's so many people who've been on the podcast who have spent so much time just sharing in it and making it good and making me not have to talk by myself for long stretches of time. 
it's been so so rewarding and so awesome to sort of use this as a way to get lots of people platforms it's the best and all right i'm gonna shut up now we're gonna wrap this thing up please uh again subscribe rate review itunes stitcher spotify google play himalaya as well uh and pre-order we the champs on indigo i think it's on amazon soon and triumph books the myself alex wong we wrote a book it's pretty cool there's lots of great images and stuff like that like just beautiful beautiful photography a lot to go along with some okay words as well and features and game recaps and stuff all from the finals and the, the, the playoffs and the regular season and everything so get in on that jack armstrong wrote the forward as well which is super super cool and uh we're very very much pro jack on this podcast obviously and uh so yeah get get we the champs and we will uh talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors.